לקוטי שיחס חלק י"ז, פרשס בחוקסי שיחה בייז. I apologize in advance for the rough voice, uh, as well my apologies for the lack of sicha for last week's parsha, for parsha's bahar, uh, there was no voice. In Pasuk Tes, in verse 9, in Perek Chof Vov, chapter 26, of this week's Torah portion, when Hashem promises brachas to the nation, Hashem says to us, Uponisi aleichem, v'hifreisi eschem, v'herbeisi eschem, v'hakimaisi ezbrisi itchem. I will turn towards you. I will make you fruitful and increase your number. I know it will set up a covenant with you. Rashi highlights the words, Uponisi aleichem, I will turn to you. And explains these words saying, I will turn away from all my other affairs towards you to pay your just reward. This is comparable to what? to a king who hires laborers for a job. And at this point, Rashi simply finishes with the words, v'chulu, etc., and gives the source of the parable, saying, as it is written in Teres Kayanim. The parable in Teres Kayanim continues that the king hires many laborers, one of whom has already done a lot of work for him for quite some time. When he pays his laborers, one laborer is paid more for his extra work. And so the king turns from the calculation that he makes for the other laborers, which is a simpler calculation. They are quickly remunerated for their work and then calculates the work of the laborer who was there for longer. So too the nations of the world will be quickly remunerated for their work, for their good deeds, and Hashem will then turn to Am Yisrael and calculate their great reward. One wonders what is complicated in the first words of Rashi, I'll turn away from all my other concerns towards you to repay your reward that requires the continuation of the explanation that incorporates the parable of a king and his laborers. In fact, if the first part isn't clear, what does this parable actually add to make it clearer? In addition, earlier on in Parshas Achrei, in discussing the prohibition of consuming blood, and likewise in Parshas Kedoshim, in discussing the prohibition of sacrificing one's child to Melech, to the idol, Rashi similarly explains, but in complete contrast, as there it is in the negative, the words, Vinasati Panai in Achrei, I will cast my face, to mean, I will place my attention. I will free myself from all other things to deal with the individual there. 
No example of a king and his laborers is brought to explain this in either of these two examples. And thus, we must ask the parable itself that Rashi brings about the king and the laborers really doesn't describe a situation that is unique to a king. Every average individual hires laborers. So why state it as a parable about a king? It should have been a parable about a man who hires laborers. And the argument one may want to present that as we are bringing a parable of God, we say a king, doesn't actually hold water. Because often we have a parable when the nimshal is God, and it may read as one was walking on the road, or there's a parable of a man wherein there is no reference to God, wherein, excuse me, the parable is to God, but the, the mushal itself or the nimshal is for God, but the parable does not contain a king, which tells us that the king here is somehow significant, and how is that so? Perhaps we could explain that by prefacing the following issue. As Rashi has already explained, the essential point of an asati ponai and the point of the etain es ponai, both in the parsha of Achrei and then in the parsha of Kedoshim, to mean I'll turn away from my involvement with something else, why does Rashi need to repeat the same explanation, particularly when there the warning of Vinasati Panai, I will turn my attention to them, can be misconstrued or misunderstood in the usage of the word Panai, my face. But in our verse, it quite clearly says, Uponisi Alechem, and I will turn to you, naturally indicating a turning away from other things. This is understood seemingly through the difference in whether an individual is being addressed or a public. In Parshas Achrei, so too in Parshas Kedoshim, God is addressing and prohibiting the yachid, the individual, from his use of blood or serving Melech. In these instances, God says, Vinosati Panai, and Rashi explains, Panai Shali, my attention will be turned from all other things to be involved with you, the individual who is committing the sin. But in our Parsha, it's different. Our Parsha references a klal, the public, the nation of Israel. And when God says, Uponisi Aleichem, I will turn towards you, if we are to understand it in, like in the other sources, as I will turn away from all the things I'm involved in, not the other things, but the things we'd really have to ask, aren't we and our reward in this discussion part of all the things God is involved in, including being busy with our reward for Torah and Mitzvahs? Therefore, Rashi explains these words separately in our parsha and does not suffice with previous explanations as uponisi aleichem, and I will turn to you, though it's addressing the entirety of our people, carries the intention of God saying, I'm going to turn from the others 
and all other things to give you your reward. Using the muscle of a king who hires many laborers, and for the one laborer who worked longer, the king says after paying off the other laborers with their smaller wage, I will turn to the calculation of your work and the substantial amount you are owed. The nimshal of which is that the Jews in this world ask for reward in this world. And so do the nations of the world. So God responds to us saying, I will deal with the smaller reward of the nations first and then turn my attention to you and your greater reward. The parable tells us that A, there are other laborers who God needs to reward. And these two are things God is busy with. And B, the nations of the world are seen as many laborers and the nation of Israel like a single significant laborer. And C, the reward of the nations is a physical one dispensed in this world. On the other hand, the Jews' reward is spiritual and for the world to come. So as the commentaries explain, Alongside this, we also understand that A, why it's appropriate to say, I'll turn away from all other things, as in, I'll take care of all the other rewards, which is in fact different to the reward of the Jew. It's not included in the same reward category because God literally turns from reward in this world for the nations of the world to reward in Olam Haba for the Jewish nation. And B, in saying there is a parable of a king, specifically a king, is the idea that the king is dealing with rewarding a great multitude of laborers, which would probably be unlike the average man. The challenge with this explanation, however, is the way Rashi actually presents his response and where Rashi abbreviates and curtails his explanation, cutting it short with the words, Rashi does not elaborate on all this and does not quote the entire Teres in which case we must posit that the primary explanation that Rashi requires for his intended understanding of I will turn from my other involvements to pay their reward. To explain the words in the verse, Ufanisa Aleichem, I will turn to you, is found in the words that Rashi does quote from the Teres Kainim. The words, Masha Lema Hadavar An example to what this is like is a king who hires many laborers. Let's turn our conversation briefly to the following Rashi on the verse. Reviewing the words of the verse, Ufanisi aleichem, v'hifreisi eschem, v'herbeisi eschem, v'hakimaisi brisi itchem. I will turn towards you. I will make you fruitful, and I will increase you, and I will set up my covenant with you. Rashi comments on the words, v'herbeisi eschem, and explains it to mean, I will make you fruitful and multiply. And then Rashi separately explains, v'herbeisi eschem, and I will increase you to mean I will increase your dignity, increasing your stature. 
The challenge that we have here is that back in Bracious, in the very first chapter of Torah, in verse 22, Pasuk of base, when God commands all living creatures to multiply and become numerous with the words pru or avu, Rashi tells us that the word pru might have meant only bear a single offspring, but with the word oravu, God made it so that creatures could bear many. Here, though, Rashi is explaining vihifresi, which is seemingly the same word as pru, to be fruitful in abundance. Commentary suggests that one cannot apply the explanation given in Bracious, because when God said the word pru, be fruitful in Bracious, he was addressing man's organic nature to reproduce, and it wasn't a blessing, it was permission. But our portion speaks of the blessing of fertility, and that is blessing in abundance. So in our parsha, Vihifresi means, I'll bless you with abundant offspring. And here, Basi then must mean something else. And it means not abundance in number, but abundance in quality, that you will have great stature. This is difficult to understand, though, as the blessing of fertility or abundant offspring isn't actually unique to a Jew. Non-Jews, too, can have large families. The explanation for all this is understanding what the difficulty is in the words, Ufanisi Aleichem. There is a specific difficulty there. Our challenge with these words is where they are placed in the Parsha. These words don't come at the beginning of the Parsha, where God introduces this idea of reward for following his statutes and observing the commandments, nor as the closure to this discussion of reward, which means we cannot explain, Ufanisi Aleichem, I will turn to you, Vinasati Ponai, as Vinasati Ponai, I turned my attention. As that is explained in Parshas Achrei, and like Vani Etain Espanai, I will give them my attention in Kedoshim, where these mean I'm going to turn away from all my affairs to tend to you and come at the conclusion of the discussion of that which may not be done consuming blood and sacrificing a child to my Zara. Rather, the verse tells us right in the middle of the calculation of the effluent rewards for the fulfillment of Torah and observance of mitzvahs. Hence, seemingly must refer to a particular reward for these. Therefore, Rashi must explain that does, in this case too, mean I will turn from my other involvements and tend to your reward. And the Mashallah the parable of the king, explains why it's in the middle of the discussion and doesn't highlight the beginning or conclude the discussion of reward. When the average guy, or even perhaps a minister, like a senator, needs to hire laborers for a job for pay, it's understandable because these people cannot be forced to work for them. But why would a king be in that position? Don't the king's subjects have an obligation to the monarch of the land? Aren't they all subject to fulfill his commands? Hence, are 
conversation or parable can't be about just the ordinary stuff that subjects of a kingdom are in fact obligated to do for the king personally or for the country. The reward paid here is for things that are not obligations and for which the king does hire and pay laborers. We find this in the lesson of the parable. The parsha b'chukaisai begins with ve'im b'chukaisai telechu, which Rashi explains to mean, if you endeavor effortfully in the study of Torah, shatiyu amelim b'Torah, not sufficing with a quota that is a commandment, but really be intentionally effortful, and ve'esmitzvaisai tishmeru, to do so so that you can keep the mitzvahs you learn about and fulfill them. This effort is like the laborer who is hired for work by the king and not like the subject of the king who fulfills an obligation. This level of effort and intention deserves an additional and unique reward. And therefore, Uvonisi Aleichem, I will turn to you, is in the middle of this all. In the extra effortful study of Torah and performance of mitzvahs, one, of course, fulfills one initial obligation to study Torah and fulfill commandments. And so there is, in fact, a twofold reward. The reward of rain in its time, mentioned earlier, is a reward for the obligatory mitzvahs. But the words, Ufanisi Aleichem, introduce additional reward, a novel, higher level of reward, which comes through God turning away from all other things he is involved in, all other reward, to pay your reward. The ordinary or regular reward one receives for the fulfillment of one's obligations cannot be covered under Efne Mikola Sokai, God turning from all his work to pay our reward, because in fact this reward at some Normal level is the type of reward a non-Jew receives for their fulfillment of the seven Noahide laws and for the study of Torah insofar as understanding their obligation in this world. But the unique reward for Amelim Betayra, like the king who rewards for work that is not obligatory, which exists only for a Jew, requires blessings that have God turning away from the others to reward our efforts. Though Rashi, quoting Teres Kayanim, records the parable of a king who hires many laborers, plural, meaning among these many would be non-Jews. In fact, yes, for the non-Jew who lives Beyond his obligation, there is indeed a special reward. There are Hasidei Umayyisa'ilam, worthy human beings who go far beyond in their divine service. But this reward is unlike that of a Jew who with great effort studies Torah, and therefore the Jew is separated out for unique reward. Hashem turns away from those to give a different type of reward from that given to the righteous Gentiles. Accordingly, we can understand Rashi's explanation on the next few words in the verse. 
that puria virivia mean I will make you fruitful with children and in abundance. This isn't the regular reward one might receive. It's additional and unique reward for the Jew. So Vihifresi doesn't just mean I'll make you fruitful. And Vihirbesi doesn't just mean I'll cause you to multiply. This is ordinary blessing that exists as well for the non-Jew. As such, Vihifresi, following on the words of Upanisi Aleichem, is unique and means not a fulfillment of Pirya and Rivya. Together, rather, it's a new experience in the blessing of fertility so that it is already abundant. The idea of prude to be fruitful for a non-Jew is the producing of a single child. But there isn't necessarily an inherent ability for that child to then produce more children. He may be unable to do so, even barren. But the blessing of vihifresi for a Jew is that one begets another. In the one who is born, there is already the blessing of ribui, of multiple. From this one, there will be the blessing of generations for all time. Just as it states regarding Avraham, I will increase his progeny. I will give him Yitzchak. But Yitzchak was a ben yachid, an only son. Through Yitzchak, this blessing of increasing generations would evolve. Once Vihifresi already incorporates a multitude, we must then understand Vihirbesi Eschem as a different blessing. So Rashi says it's an increase in stature. Thereby the fulfillment of the blessing Yitzchak gave Yaakov that the elder, Esav's progeny, would serve the younger, Yaakov's progeny. But with Hashem turning towards us with this unique blessing, Viherbesi will also occur and the stature of Yaakov too will increase and rise. What remains unclear as yet is Rashi's particular quote, Efne. I will turn away from all my activities to pay your reward. Not the rest of my activities, but all. So, the Jew's reward isn't part of God's activities? Why is that? The Uponisi Aleichem then must be telling us that there's a deeper expression of devotion on God's part in this than there is in what is considered Asek, God's busyness. What does Asek actually then symbolize? Asek for a human being in this world indicates man's involvement in something else, where he is thereby transported outside of his essential self, busy outside of his essential self. A person's involvement in something indicates a descent from his essential self. It's the same above. God is beyond the realm of extension and revelation, and so all revelations of godliness and all manners in which God extends himself into this world is called asokai, a busyness, a descent in order for God to involve himself and his essence in lower worlds. Therein lies the understanding of the words, very beautiful thought, all divine giluyim, revelations, including the ongoing dynamic existence of worlds 
and even reward and punishment, the obscuring of godliness in the regular measure, even for the Jew, is from divine light and revelations thereof. It's all asokai, God's dynamic construction of essence, so that there can be an evolutionary process of descent and a drawing down through the ten spheres of godliness. But the amelin b'teira of a Jew, when a Jew's involvement in teira and in the fulfillment of mitzvahs isn't an asik, it's not a side thing to his essential self, not an external experience, nor an act of obligation, but he's involved at a soul level, hence his putting himself into his study in mitzvahs with ever greater effort and intensity reflects a response from God of Ufanisi Aleichem. It's a reward that too is imminent and not external, so to speak, so that the Jew and God thereby become one. There's yet another idea here. A human being, even the most refined human being, is organically a mekabel, one who receives divine effluence. In fact, even the highest revelations and lights are in essence mekabel receivers, receiving from above, and cannot therefore be mashpia, a real source of effluence. True flow outwards can only come from source. So when a Jew studies Torah and fulfills a mitzvah, as for his requirement, he remains a receiver, receiving from and observing the decree of God. But when a Jew is an Amel B'Torah, beyond his required effort, he becomes a mashpia, reaching deep into himself and using a self-motivated energy, thus becoming like God. His essence becomes revealed in this world, and so the reward for this too is a reward from essence, from the essence of God. And this is actually reflected in the reward. In the experience of Pru or Vu or Piriya Virivya, there is Hashpa'a, the influence of essential godliness in the experience of new life and creation, an influence that exists for ongoing eternity. What's really interesting, though, is that the follow-up to this blessing of Vihifresi is a host of physical blessings. What's the connection between these? The explanation for this lies in the source of blessing. The unlimitedness of the blessing coming not from Giluyim, not from Asokai, my busyness, but from essence itself has no barriers and no boundaries and can thus flow into physical things, infusing them with abundant blessing in an open and revealed manner of all good. Yet remain, we remain with a question. While the essence of God descends into abundant physical blessing, how does physical reward and stuff take on any level of significance when compared to the reward of becoming one with God? As well, Rashi reflects on Ufanisi Aleichem, this imminent light as reward. But reward is something that someone gets as payment for a job. That tells us that the laborer and the king who hired him aren't one and the same. And they remain two separate entities. The king rewards in this parable that Rashi gives us. If the reward was coming through revelation, well then just as revelation cannot express essence, only a revelation of it, 
A Jew too isn't encompassed by essence in receiving his reward. And so he doesn't and cannot become one with God. But in the Ufanisi Aleichem of Atzmos, of essence, we're saying there is essential oneness. How then does reward belong in the experience of this oneness? The answer is that in this service of Amelim Batera, the sole essence experience of effort to study God's Torah and fulfill God's will, God's mitzvahs, there are actually two modes of service. One is where while a person is expressing a true soul desire, he seeks the result to become one with God. This puts this into the court of his will, of man's desire. There is yet an expression of him, a him who wants the connection. The other mode is to put in the effort without any calculation and without seeking a result, not even the result of becoming one with God. His only concern is to fulfill God's will in the mode of Amelim and nothing exists besides Atzmas. Because these are, there are these two possible modes, there are two modalities of, of Ufanisi Aleichem. In the first mode of service, when he and his desire still remain an equation, his reward for his service of Amelim is just that. It's char, reward, payment. And therefore, Torah delineates the physical rewards that come as a result of Ufanisi Aleichem. But when one service is in the mode of absolute, complete desire to only fulfill Hashem's will, with no personal yearnings of oneness, then the Ufanisi Aleichem is also complete. And this is expressed in the words of Pasukut Gimel, verse 13, which concludes the portion of the rewards that will come upon the nation for making the effort of Amelim, for walking in Hashem's ways. V'oylech itchem kaimemius says God, I will lead you, and I will lead you upright as a single column of strength and union of God and Jews, Israel and the King in union.